1: Today's guest specializes in creating versatile products and innovative services for the ever changing digital landscape, which is like I feel like daily. He's the builder of a strategic partner relationship engine. He's an expert at improving processes, business strategies, and he's an executive leader who drives critical new growth. Design driven entrepreneur. Is his passion. He strives to always create innovation technologies that are innovative, seamless experiences, both well designed and intuitive. He has dedicated his life to engineering the future to drive us all toward the brightest and profitable pathways while following people first ethics. Everyone that is listening, you all need to know more about how to sell better and how to close better. And how to pre-qualify. And what if there was something out there like a technology thing that could tell you if your pre-qualified lead, you think it's pre-qualified, but it, it it only goes so far, people, without some type of tech tool. And so that's what we're going to get into today. I'm super excited. Today's guest is Rob Turley, founder of White Rabbit Intel. Welcome to the show, Rob.
2: Hey, Angela. It is great to be here. I'm very happy to do so. And, uh, yeah, no, you're right. It's like pre-qualifying except not like credit card pre-qualified where it's a lie. It's like the real thing, the real <laughs> deal. So it's, it's, if you look at a standard marketing funnel, you have, well, not a marketing funnel, but it's like a marketing funnel. It's like sales and marketing sort of mixed type yeah. of thing, but, um, At the top, you have awareness, and then you have capture, then you have MQL, and then you have qualified lead, and then you have sales qualified lead, opportunity, proposal, close, right?
1: It's a lot Uh, of steps.
2: (laughs) uh, So we pretty much can take things that are in the capture stage where you just capture the lead or download a lead list, and it takes them somewhere in between the SQL to opportunity point. So that's, it's already done.
1: It's it, it really does simplify the process and it saves people so much time in the sales process. Before we jump off and tell people what you do, I want them to, to know if you can share a little bit, how did you decide to get into artificial intelligence, AI, and tell us how you came up with the name White Rabbit, because that's the name of your company.
2: Mm-hmm. So... I guess how I got an AI, um, it wasn't a decision. It was just a project. So I was working for a custom dev firm, and we deci- they, the leadership there decided we're going to build this application. So what we had to do is that we had to take IBM's Watson, that AI. We had to pretty much strip it. Uh, we had to make it about 5 to 10 times as powerful we had to redo all of the data in there. So imagine writing the dictionary like a thousand times because um, it was with natural language processing. So you had to redefine all the language because the natural language processing uh, word co- and contextual identification things that uh, IBM did with Watson was total garbage. I mean, no no offense to IBM, but um, that's why they're not the leader in the space of, of NLP. Yeah. It's just that they made that open source. So that was a good place to start. That was not going to cost us like millions of dollars. So we had to take it, redefine that. We did literally months of manual data entry to do that. Imagine doing manual data entry, writing and contextual stuff, and then every single word that has to do with every context of every single subject, and then blog articles that relate to it that I could read those to, uh, uh, nested in there, 60 hours a day every day for two and a half months. You literally drown. start losing your mind, <laughs> and we were doing that with thirty-eight people backing it.
1: Like, yeah. do your eyes start crossing?
2: Oh yeah, like- no, you literally start like talking to yourself. You start losing your mind. Um, so that's what everybody in the company was doing, and it was nuts all the way down to the to uh, the uh, you know the desk the desk clerk. Right. Oh my gosh. Everyone was doing it, so that was such a nightmare uh, to get that done. I mean, we created something very powerful, innovative, and incredible. Uh, So it was worth it. But uh, that process was so painful that uh, the first idea was that we wanted to create artificial intelligence to create artificial intelligence because it's such a nightmare to to create those data sets. So we originally built an AI to build other AI. Turns out there's no market for that yet because nobody knows how to build it in the first place. (laughs) That was news to us so uh we started there and then people said can you get us leads with this type of a process we said sure so we got in the lead gen space realized how shady and terrible that space is and Uh, how such a lack of trust it's insane uh so what we did is that uh yeah we had to get rid of that uh we pivoted and then we were going into looking at what was happening before uh you know what was instead of just doing an actionable thing moving forward what was happening before like the past and the present, to define targets. And then we evolve beyond that to predict the future. So pretty much we went into being able to score opportunities so we can define who your opportunities are before you even speak to them. So it's actionable insight. Everybody aggregates a ton of data, or most people do, most large companies, but nobody knows what the hell to do with it. Right. We know what to do with it. Oh, and the name, right. Forgot about that so the name that we is white rabbit intel the reason why is because if you take the red pill you follow the white rabbit down the rabbit hole and see the world for what it really is but if you take the blue pill you'll wake up as if it never happened so we like to think we took the red pill follow the white rabbit down the rabbit hole and went through the gap in the matrix so from the movie the matrix that's what that's from uh follow the white rabbit down the rabbit hole uh, when you leave the matrix, it's just kind of like a little uh, sarcastic humor behind like AI runs the world, but we don't actually know it. It kind of does. Um, and also it's uh, we we love Alice in Wonderland. So I think of three impossible things before breakfast and our company, one of our company mantras is um, nothing is impossible.
1: Love it. And and it's true. If you put your mind to it and you focus, you can do it. You You really can. So I would love for you to share more about how the AI works. And I know what some people listening might be thinking is where does all of this data aggregate from and what should they be doing with it once they
2: get it all? So rather than saying how it works, cause that's going to bore people to death it doesn't matter how it works it could be a money it could be a monkey in a basement on a bicycle powering a light bulb but if it made you money who cares right that's the way that they think so i'm not going to get into that i'll kind of touch on it in a really simplified way well actually you know what i'll just tell you in one sentence we quantify human beings we turn human beings into predictable numbers zeros and ones predictable that's it when you really want to break it down that's brass tacks it's what we do um but outside of that, really what we're doing is that we are enabling sales and marketing teams to be able to know more, win more, and close often. Like you could see up, oh, it's that side, on this yep. side. If you're watching video, it's right up here. <laughs> that uh, that's kind of the slogan, right? So what it is that we're doing is that we are breaking down sales and marketing data so you can see all the pain points. You can identify patterns that lead to success and understand everything that's going right or wrong. You could see performance statistics and everything, uh, what you're tracking, what you're not tracking. It's extremely helpful. So true true to life business intelligence to the granule. Beyond that point, we're able to um, create an ideal customer persona by analyzing your customer ecosystem. So we know your customers better than you do at this point. And we're pulling tons of data from thousands of sources, uh, social media, uh from uh press releases news releases articles blogs everywhere job sites so we pull data from all over the place it's all gdpr compliant so those people that are like oh privacy nope it is totally that and we actually we um ditch anything that's personal identifiable information we don't believe in it all you need to know is the statistics and what to do it's not about what the data is that's just a distraction the ai took care of it um So we create this ideal customer persona. So that way you can fix your marketing target. So you're now targeting the people that your salespeople have the ability to sell to, not just who's interested, because that's a big problem in the market. Uh, The other thing that we're doing there is that salespeople can now prospect far more efficiently, or if you generate leads from lead lists, they're now going to be accurate. So rather than having 2.5% of those leads being an opportunity, it's more like 15, 20, 25, 30%. We've seen as high as 32% were opportunities after that, which is crazy. So you are decreasing your lead gen spend by a ton. Beyond that point, you can take leads, you run them through a system and then we can tell you precisely which leads are opportunities and we can automatically eliminate up to 97% of unqualified prospects in minutes. Like if you had a list of 10,000 potential prospects, 95, 95 to 97% of the crap, Stripped out immediately. Don't even waste your time. So it's keeping sales from being a numbers game and turning it back into a relationships game. Because pre COVID, for whatever reason, I don't know why this plague struck the earth. Pre COVID, it was relationships matter. Mm -hmm. Post COVID, relationships are everything. Yep. It's always been relationships are everything. It's just that people forgot because it was too easy.
1: Yep. So for anyone that's listening, do they have to have a CRM and they already have to have their leads that live somewhere in order to hook White Rabbit Intel into, and then it goes, it's like the little spiders that go up and down the CRMs and pull names. And I know that you guys pull LinkedIn information and data. So is that the first? pre-qualifying thing like you got to have a crm you got to have some data in there first
2: yep. well so you can't do data analytics without data right it's impossible right. that's the point uh though it does not have to be an integration it's a standalone product you could just export from a crm if you use like a MailChimp or cognizant which is a lead gen platform that also has a little bit of a crm element to it and has like a mailing uh, email blast thing built into it As long as you have data and it's held somewhere and there are measurable outcomes, like there's uh, what is your ideal outcome or what what is a desired outcome, like the next stage or the next step or advancement in the sales and marketing processes. Think about taking a step down each level of the funnel. As long as you have something to be able to measure those outcomes, like where it's marked with something saying, oh, they replied or, oh, they set the meeting with us or, oh, we sent them the proposal. I guarantee you track some form of that. That is what gets measured. And we can pull most of the data ourselves, but any data that you have can be crunched, but we only need five attributes is first name, last name, company name. That's one way to identify which John Smith, the work email address. That's another way to identify, but a lot of companies opt out of data crawling stuff. So sometimes it doesn't work. And then their LinkedIn URL because that's always public. So we can identify which John Smith. We're not scraping LinkedIn. We're not scraping anything. We have very good data providers that all follow the law, there's no liability. Um, On our end, they take care of it and it is the best of the best data. We're talking the data where the data providers that you know, like Zoom info and everything, it's where they get their data from. So we get it straight from the source and it's always fresh. We don't have a stale database. It's always pulling data fresh from the source because it transforms over time. People switch jobs, uh, people have different interests, people uh, get different hobbies. Um uh people get you know hired, fired. Um, there may be a merger, an acquisition, uh, they may have released a new product, they may be a new opportunity, they may be uh, like seasonality of sales and stuff. It's looking at all that stuff. So we're turning an ideal customer persona into something that was once okay, we have it set, put set it in stone, concrete forever. This is who we target. No, screw that shit. You're doing it the wrong way. It's it should be disposable because the customer ecosystem is always always, always transforming. With COVID, it was just happening at a faster pace. So instead of it slowly falling out of touch, it just went, it's going all over the place, you know, just whipping all around. And this is a perfect example of this is why you need this now. If you want to be ahead of the competition, if you are not data-driven, get data-driven. It is the future. And if you fall behind, you will be left behind.
1: Absolutely. So I also know, just so Rob and i worked on a project together, which is where I, I well, actually one of your sales reps reached out to me on LinkedIn and y'all know me, anything technology and and automation and I'm like, what's this? And then I start looking into it and I'm like, this would be amazing for one of our former clients. And we, you know, they have a large email list and they have HubSpot is like one of the most robust CRMs. But the takeaway from that, Rob, if you can give people a few tips on making sure that you have a process so that your team is inputting the correct data, because like you were saying, data in, data out, if you don't ask the right questions, if you don't train your people to put in the right information, when you go to get the data out, It's flat and it's dead and you have a bunch of names and email addresses, but that doesn't do you any good if you don't know anything about those people. So what are some things that people need to make sure they have set up and and asking the right questions and making sure the data is going where it needs to go so that when you plug in like a white rabbit Intel, it's going to pull out helpful information.
2: Yeah, from a business intelligence perspective, I mean, we're a little bit different from other companies where they just read your CRM data and then do some sort of analysis on that. And that's it. And that's what they use as the baseline. But CRM data is 84% inaccurate on average. 84% Okay, that's crazy. That is the actual statistic. (laughs) It's terrifying. So we ignore that stuff. So we break it down for business intelligence insight. So the stuff that you're doing relevant to your company, private data, that stuff, but we actually provide all of the data that we need to do our job that's why we need those five unique identifiers. That's it. We we pull the rest of the data and trust our own data because it is right. It's about 97% accurate versus theirs as 13% accurate on average. So it's just better, better results. But um, with what you're asking, what are some good practices? So to give a little bit of yep. it, uh, I guess a foundation to this is that I do sales solutions architecture. So solutions architecture is usually an engineering thing, right? So it's about architecting a solution, finding out what's wrong, creating data tables for it, mapping it out, literally creating the architecture for it and then implementation. I do that with sales solutions and sales technology to make everything work, structure it. So I work with a lot of people doing that type of stuff. Um, And I'm very damn good at it. he
1: (laughs) is, um, y'all.
2: I fix that stuff all the time. So I see all sorts of data from all sorts of companies. And honestly, if it's important to you, track it. If it's not important to you and it could be tracked and it's easy to track or can be automatically tracked, like a lot of stuff in CRMs, it is important. Whatever you can track, you should track. As long as it's not something that's going to bog you down, you have to do it manually, like super manually or take you way too long. But if it's important to your business in any way, if it's important to your marketing, to your CS, like customer success or support, if it's important to your sales, if it's important to your boss, track it because data is your company. I tell people your data tells a story of your past and your present. It is who you are and who you do business with. But if it's interpreted properly, it can be used to accurately predict your future. Why wouldn't you do that? Don't you want certainty? Don't you want accurate forecasting? Don't you want to know how much revenue you're going to bring in three months from now based off of what your pipeline looks like? Don't you want a cleaner pipeline? Don't you want to increase your revenue velocity, your pipeline velocity? Don't you want to optimize your conversion? The only way to do that is with the data, because otherwise all you're doing is just doing a guess and check process and not even really knowing what's go- not really know what's going on and just hoping for the best. It's like uh, you're spinning in a circle with a blindfold on, throwing darts until you hit the dartboard bullseye. Eventually you'll get it or maybe not. You know, it's, it doesn't work that way. Everything is data driven, you can break everything down in nature and when I say in nature, I mean everything in this universe down to basic zeros and ones it's all just the math equation. So you can calculate exactly what's going to happen next at a very high accuracy, if you know what you're doing that's what Ai is for that's why we built what we built because people don't know how to do anything with it we're just really damn good at math. Um, So that that's really track anything and everything like if you're not tracking your emails why aren't you number one. Number two, pretty much every single CRM has a way to do that automatically, whether it's through a Chrome plugin or just through the thing itself, just direct integration, you just click a button, done. Uh, track your meetings. Use a meeting link and have it tracked. How many meetings are you setting? Set up separate meeting links. So it's like demo meeting. How many of those did I have? Versus one meeting link that covers all of them. Well, you had one discovery, you had one intro, you had one referral, you had one demo, uh, you had um, you had five, uh, like, you know, technical meetings, how do you know how many of each that you had or where you're at or where that's going? How do you track your sales team? How can you see how well they're doing? How many calls are they making? If you're not tracking any of that, you have no idea of how your team's performing. For all you know, one of your salespeople could literally be sitting there watching Netflix at home right now doing absolutely nothing and falling asleep the whole time. But they keep their phone on the ring volume. So if they ever get contacted, they answer. And say, oh, yeah, no, for some work. And I was working on this, 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 and then they just lie. And then they just log shit. And then I've known some salespeople. This is fucked up too. I've seen this. I've seen this happen when I was at somebody's house. So I was visiting somebody. He's a a colleague of mine. And he's a roommate. And I was there and he's a salesperson. For the company, I will not disclose, but it is an enterprise company that is very well respected in North Carolina. Put it that way. And he was sitting there. And he was just making his calls so he can hit the 50 call quota for the week. He was doing it all in one day where he'd call people. And then as soon as it we went to the voicemail, since they weren't recording the calls, but they were tracking the calls, as uh-huh. soon as it went to the voicemail, he'd just hang up, call the next person. Wasn't even having conversations. What? And if they pick up, he'd say, oh, sorry, wrong number. Hang up. He's getting paid $60,000 a year what? to do that. I told the company this because it's my right as a business owner to tell another business owner, like, Hey, do you know this is happening? I didn't say who I just said, did you know this is happening? So they started investigating it.
1: Don't you, I mean, don't people have sales quotas and like things to meet that actually has to convert like, right.
2: Not when you're selling a luxury. (laughs) Not when you're selling a luxury B2B item, they don't expect you to make any sales while it's COVID because nobody's buying luxury software.
1: Oh my gosh. And it's like people that actually do that though, it makes me sick to my stomach because they have no clue how hard somebody or a team of somebody's is working to provide jobs for people to put food on the table. And, yeah, and I act- know for a fact,
2: this company was negative revenue this whole time and they're pulling out of their coffers, you know, making sure that they don't fire anybody, that they're still hiring people on top of that. And it, they're, they're pulling it out of their bottom line, you know,
1: that it just, yeah, people, duh. but like you said, you've got to put some type of process and a tracking process in place to hold people accountable. Otherwise they will do shit like that.
2: <laughs> Yeah, and that's why quotas what? become a thing too. Quota selling is dead. It's dead. It's true. Quota selling is not good. How many phone calls do you make? Okay, if did you know that the best cold call performers have the least amount of calls out of anybody and miss the quota every time? Because they're having conversations that are turning into conversations, not just calling people and getting hung up on. You yeah, need to make true. 50 cold calls in a day. Let's say all those cold calls miraculously connected to have a conversation. Uh-huh. A shit phone uh, cold call is either hung up on immediately or it lasts a minute and a half. A somewhat decent cold call is about two and a half minutes but a good cold call is about five minutes and 15 seconds. These are all Sandler statistics. Look it up, it's legitimate. Um, So five minutes and 15 seconds, 50 cold calls. That's That's 250 minutes of not ringing time. And then they have to log all the stuff. They have to take the notes and everything. That cannot be done in a day. It's impossible. You cannot achieve it if you're doing a good job.
1: No, that's crazy. I do want you because you have some really good stories about when you all first launched and some companies that you all have worked with to help people understand their data a little bit better. Like when I was talking with Helen, she was telling me a few different stories. Can you share some of those? I guess you would call it statistics or more like outcomes of how you all have helped some of these business owners really identify who that they need to be targeting and how it's impacted the bottom line.
2: Sure. So um, a lot of the companies that we work with, I cannot disclose their name uh, because we are very strict on data privacy policy, but some of them I can, some of them I can. So one company that we worked with cannot disclose the name software company out in California. They were having trouble because they were stuck in a 5% growth uh, rate year over year. And then COVID hit, right? It didn't really affect their business too much because it was all too relevant. But before that, they were at um, 150% year over year growth. They halted and plateaued at 5% year over year after that. They couldn't figure out what was wrong. So they tried this, that, the other thing. They were trying all these different methods and all that stuff. We processed their data. In two and a half minutes of data processing they took all of those business intelligence insights they applied it to their business they pivoted and the results were ridiculous so put it this way i mean i'm sorry to say this but the the, the vp of sales there was not doing the right things for the company mm-hmm. from that data five days afterward i got a phone call saying that she was fired, half the sales team was fired because they weren't doing anything yeah they weren't even tracking their phone number or like their email a lot of the times or their title. Who are you even talking to? Nobody knows. What but um heck? anyway, beyond that, beyond that, uh, in four and a half months, they doubled their revenue from 40 million to 80 million. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, another company we worked with, um, they got a compared to the data that they processed. So put it this way: gold standard sales consulting firm, right? Gold standard. So we processed their data. And they couldn't believe it because they are the best of the best at it. And it's about targeting. They teach people how to target and sell, target and sell. In three minutes of data processing, we proved that this company that is the king of doing that has been targeting the wrong people for the past four and a half years. They couldn't believe that the target was true. They humored us. So they did a five-day outbound outreach campaign, cold outreach campaign, like light marketing, just, just to humor us. And I I thought it was pretty funny myself, but yeah, yeah. uh, within those five days, they got a 4,500% return in comparison to the data spend that they had with us and the amount of spend that they had in social media advertising combined in five days. Wow. And then another thing, they broke every single outbound outreach campaign, monthly, monthly campaign record that they've had since they started the company in five days.
1: And, and, and I'm just, I'm over here thinking like, and how much revenue over the past four years was lost? Yeah. A and lot. do you
2: know how much they spent to make that happen? How much? $1,200.
1: That's insane. Uh-huh. Like it's, it's just, you don't know what you don't know, but I do know something. If you're doing something that's not working for that
2: many years? Well, people don't know it's not working because they're sticking with what worked and they think it's just working less and there's something wrong with the market. No, your target's wrong.
1: Uh-huh. The
2: target is constantly changing. Like I said, mm-hmm. with the ICP, the ideal customer persona is constantly shifting. If you're not keeping up with it, that's why things keep falling out of place and then kind of back into place. There's a lot of waves. You should be at a constant steady growth. That's where you should be all the time, but people are not adjusting to be able to do that.
1: Do you think that that has to do with being set in your ways and not having the leadership that has the big vision or like, are people are, are leadership just not looking at like what's going on in the company? People are so really good at solutions. looking
2: at what went right. They okay. notice what went wrong. They acknowledge it, but then they avoid it. Like it's the plague. What went right, we prove with our technology from analyzing data, we look at both sides. What went wrong and what went right are nearly identical. There's a lot of gray area. Like, say my fingers are all like the different things, different aspects. This right here, all my fingers connected. This is the gray area. There's just one finger left here. This is what's right. This is what's wrong. Wow. That's it. All the rest of it's connected it's all just gray area, it overlaps. And so you're going with what went right, but there's still so much of what went wrong in there that that needs to be identified to be able to go far beyond just what went right. It's continuing to get even more correct over time and continuing to drive that. So driving profitable growth at scale. That's why we exist, to reduce the cost of acquiring customers, to optimize conversion and to drive just growth at scale. So think about, you know, that uh, diagram, the Venn diagram, where it's like, there's, uh there's fast, there's good. And then there's, um what, it's like fast quality good. What's that triangle thing where it's like, you can have fast, you can have good, or you can have um,
1: Oh, God, I don't know.
2: Yeah, but they all contradict each other. We're taking the, all those contradictions where it's either you invest in one, then the other ones suffer. That's how it works. Like if you give okay. to one, it takes from the others. Like the faster mm-hmm. you get, the less accurate you get, the less quality there is, that type yeah. of thing. So we're able to take that trifecta, that, that uh, it's a paradox in business. If you go fast, then yeah, you lose everything else. We have, our artificial intelligence is able to achieve all of those things at once because it could see far deeper than humans and do it at the speed of light, literally. So you're able to get that nice segment in the center that really doesn't exist. So you're able to achieve all of those things in minutes and correct that process because there's no bias. There's no assumption. There's no, well, I think we should do this. No, this is mathematically perfect of what you should do.
1: So how does this and y'all anybody that's listening and, and I just have to say this because I know my mother's generation, for example, who you don't know what you don't know. They didn't grow up with it. They, some people, you know, they just have such a negative thought process around automation, artificial intelligence, virtual reality, like somebody's coming to get us kind of thing. And I'm like, no, it help. It really helps to enhance people the way that they are doing their job. So this is not to replace salespeople because you still have to have people. AI doesn't build relationships. No, it doesn't.
2: People buy, no matter what, as long as a business is run by humans, which yes, for the foreseeable future, that's it. People buy from people that they like, that they trust, and that they can relate to. It's not about the product or the service because there's always choices. It's about buying the relationship. Why do you think when an insurance or no, let's say a financial advisor leaves, let's say Merrill Lynch, and they move to Morgan Stanley, nearly all of those customers are going to move with that financial advisor to whatever firm because they don't give a shit about the firm. They're all the same. It's carbon copies of one another they care about the relationship that's built
1: and that's people so i was at a conference and there was a hologram of the ceo of apple like talking to the group and we were talking about how funny listening to i think it was like siri and alexa like asking questions but the it's it just the conversation kept going round and round because the computers can't process feelings. And if you can't target or a feeling that someone is feeling and provide a solution for it, then you're likely not to to close. So that's why computers are there to enhance the customer service experience and enhance the time and the productivity of a sales team. So one thing, when I first met you, you're like, salespeople are lazy. And I'm like, well god, I'm selling all the time and I'm fucking working all the time. But I own the company. And so it's different yep. when it's your company. Nobody is going to love it like you. And if you really want to grow your company, you have to hire people and you keep having to hire more people and more people and more people. So I I do think that this is a great way to help enhance your people's roles. So is is that what you would say? They can do more,
2: and they could do their job. So rather than just, you know, if you didn't know this, fun statistic for everybody listening. Did you know that the average amount of time that a salesperson, like you know, just a an average level or a senior level salesperson, spends in front of an actual opportunity, not 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 a not a customer, like a soon to be customer, but an actual opportunity in general? How long? One hour per day. Which means seven-eighths of a salary is getting tossed into an empty office chair while the salesperson is just running around chasing their tail. And that's considered acceptable.
1: That's crazy. That's not productive.
2: Welcome to sales as a numbers game. We defeat that. We're making sales not a numbers game. It's all calculated on the back end. It's done. Stop chasing your tail, running around in circles. Spend four hours, five hours in front of actual opportunities instead of one. You've just... 4X, if not 5X, your input, your, your input to output.
1: And also too, do, do the results give sales reps or sales teams talking points so they know what is important to the person on the other side that they're talking
2: to? No. Talking points, we don't actually, one of the reasons, well, one, we didn't build it. We can, but we won't. It's because when a conversation is scripted, as you know, like a podcast, if it's scripted, it's total garbage. Yeah. It feels fake. Script selling is the weakest form of sales. You don't know what you're doing. If you need a script, you don't know your product. You don't know your demographic. You don't even know how to have a conversation with somebody. As soon as someone talks about something else that's not on the script, they immediately go, oh, got to get back to the script. Where did it leave off? I can't be talking about this. And it's like panic. And then they get all jagged and then it's all fake. And it's like, I'm being sold to buy. Script selling is not effective, plain and simple. Selling is a psychological game. It is a relationship. I say that selling is just like dating. It's the the exact same thing. If you study relationship psychology, you will learn more about sales than any sales psychology book out there because sales psychology books are written by people who kind of know what they're talking about but never actually studied real psychology and have no idea what any of it means. They're just going based off of their personal experiences, which on its own is like a psychological journal of an individual and not actual study. So relationship psychology is the key because it's just like if you go to a bar and you want to hit on a man or a woman or or a they whatever your choice is doesn't matter I don't care um you're hitting on this person Yep. and when you hit on this person are you going to walk up to them and just go be like hey I like your shoes or hey you're really pretty like whoa okay chill it's called pitch selling you've already given away I think you're really pretty bye you know like that's that's they're gonna be like okay whatever it's it's like that it's it's like a relationship you're going to ask them you know tell them something that is truly unique that other people wouldn't notice look at the content they post look at the things that they're trying to achieve the things that they've done not just wow your role is really impressive or i'm impressed by your profile or oh uh i see that you volunteered at this that shut the hell up you read my profile and you're just spinning that shit right back at me and it's probably done through a robot it's the way that it needs to be done is Imagine like if you're at the bar and you say, I love the way that you took the time to braid your hair the way that you did because it complements your entire outfit because of the texture. Like If you get really specific like that or your color coordination is incredible, your shoelaces match your undershirt and <laughs> I was able to tell right away. it was It's incredible. You did a really good job. That would mean something. It takes them back. They go, what?
1: I don't pay attention. Well,
2: no, you broke the cycle. That's the thing. You you, you became unique. It was the first time they've ever heard something like that in their entire life. It Mm -hmm. means that you're actually paying attention. What do people want? They want validation. They want to be heard, listened to and be heard. And they want to be accepted. And they want to feel loved. That's it. They want to feel like they matter. That's it. That's all people want down to the core. It's primal. Like any relationship, sales is just relationships. It is dating, mm-hmm. except the dating, the relationship is between like the, the the core, the structure of relationship are the two businesses working together. But then the day-to-day people are talking, it's the salesperson and the person who is buying in the end.
1: It is, it's all about relationships. So coming over to the marketing side, if the company goes to market, to someone in the database that has been run, you know, the AI has run through it. Like I know whenever a physician office, a new physician opens another practice and they will hire someone to do a mailer, like in a territory, and that could be 5,000 homes, it could be 10,000 homes. Yep. But if you're a plastic surgeon, And you don't take insurance because it's all cash pay. It's all self-pay. Wouldn't you think that it would be a good idea to run that database through AI to find out is it a household income collectively that could afford your services? You're not. Why? Sure, yeah, no, that could be
2: done. Yeah, I can get that data and make that happen.
1: Yeah, but it's like, some of the and and I mean this was years ago when we would help a lot of practices because not a lot of people do mailers anymore. So usually mailers are very effective nowadays. They're if you're... actually
2: effective now, but yeah, exactly. Take care, if it's a cust, if it's a nice paper, yep, in a colored envelope, it's yep. got like a wax seal or something that really stands out, and it just looks really high quality. And they yep. open it up, and it's personalized, it's handwritten, and there's a lot of care with it. And something that has to do with them in there, like a little gift or something like that, people go nuts over that, because it is a custom, handmade, meaningful thing where it's, I really thought of you.
1: Yep. But it's like, send it to the people that would actually use your service. Let's just not send it to everybody Mm -hmm. in the 15 surrounding zip codes you know, in the area, like, let's really pinpoint who can actually afford your service and then send it to those people. And then if you get one two patients out of it, that's going to pay for that entire campaign.
2: You also we- save the planet, less paper. But the thing is, is that if you're able to target like that, you know, why they call it junk mail is because as soon as they pull it out of the mailbox, they throw it in the garbage. It's mm-hmm. literally garbage. Yep. So do you want your hard earned money getting spent on this advertising where 99% of the people who get that in the mail instantly throw it in the garbage and they actually resent your company for sending them crap. No it sucks.
1: <laughs> like it sucks. So, but it, it like, it's so mind boggling to me that people will come and ask for a service. And they're like, if I pay you this much, can you do this? And it's like, yes, but, Let me ask you a few more questions. It's just like, so nowadays, like Facebook ads, can you just run a Facebook ad? And it's like, well, do you have business managers set up and do you have any previous data and do you have any audiences built and who's your target audience and who are you selling to and what's the call to action and where are we taking them? And, you know, there's so many questions that you need to be asking so that you can get the result of what they think in their head is a good result. And so that's where something like this is so valuable. I know one of the companies that we, we ran White Rabbit Intel through and we, we pulled a bunch of stuff out and this company wanted to market now what you want and what's actually happening is two different things. Yeah, and you what guys, you
2: want and what actually is going, like what, what the truth is are two yes. very different things and often very. the founders are the most incorrect people. The way that they want it is the way that the way that the rest of the world will never see it because they literally created it.
1: Yep. And guess what? If you're running a company or you are the founder, 97% of the world doesn't think like you, meaning you are not your target audience or your customer. And so knowing to market either to men or women, what's the age range, what, what, It's like, I can't remember the company they're the pod, the target podcast. I think I was listening. It's not for target, but they were talking about target where target had, I I think that I don't even know how they got the data, but the 16 year old who got the postcard from target with all the baby stuff on it. And the dad went up to target and was like, why are you sending my 16 year old daughter shit about baby stuff? Well, she was pregnant, but the parents didn't know she was pregnant yet. But I don't know if they purchased a list from places that either took pregnancy tests and they sold all the pregnancy test data to a company. Like there's some slides. Oh, yeah. Stuff. Plan-
2: no, well, Planned Parenthood would sell their data, sure.
1: Yeah. So yeah. it's like, Target and and a mailer is what actually have you heard this story, Rob?
2: Yep. Target knew that their daughter was pregnant before they did.
1: Exactly. And, but that to me is genius marketing and knowing who your target audience is because she could use those coupons because she is pregnant. I think it was like a coupon. I don't know. But it's, it's insane the outcome that you can have when you know your customer and it's it's just it's so valuable it's so valuable Oh yeah
2: i mean we've we have one example of people we worked with we it was this uh roofing contractor company and they they uh paid data scientists millions of dollars to figure out who their ideal customer was everything like that there was no success we processed their data we found out it's not a decision maker at all it turns out that it needs to be a building that is of 20 years of age or older in the 13th con- congressional district of Wisconsin on a northbound street facing west made of yeah made of steel and concrete construction and over 20,000 square feet but specifically on a northbound street facing west they applied that their sales their accepted rfps increased by
0: 40% wow
2: yeah it's nuts. It's not about the person who owns it at all. It's all the criteria in the building.
1: And like you said it though, like who's the decision maker?
2: There isn't. And it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant.
1: It doesn't matter. Like how And that and that was all discovered through AI?
2: Yeah.
1: That's incredible. Like I don't know. I just know that a lot of times people send me shit and I'm like, I don't know why y'all are sending it to me. You should probably send it to Amanda or somebody else in the company. because like, I'm not looking at some of these things. Like I'm outsourcing and I want to empower my team to like make some of these decisions. Like I don't deal with the day-to-day vendors. I like to podcast and do videos and put out content. And I'm not doing the day-to-day stuff. So it, it just makes me laugh when I hear decision maker. And my gosh, if you're rude to any of my team members, you'll never get through to any of our clients for anything because yep. they are the gatekeepers. And so sometimes I'm just like, gosh, companies completely miss the mark of who to be talking to or who to address things to, or.
2: Yes. That's, that's where we cut that. That's actually one of our specialties is who. Mm -hmm. So think about it this way. People go, okay, these are good targets because of this, this company is computer software company that has 500 plus employees that does 40 million plus in revenue. And, uh, they work in this specific like type of field, right? That's it. That's their target. Uh, That's a LinkedIn search. It's just companies who at the company. Oh, CEOs. Why? Because that's the top. And then, you know, that's the best way to get in there. Uh, No, it's not. Most of the time it's not. Or, oh, they have the budget. So you want to contact the budget holder because they're buying. Well, no as well. They're usually the blocker because their whole job is to not spend money. Yeah. Wow. Look at that. So it's often not the person you think, and it could be lower down the totem pole. We are able to look like, let's say that in in an enterprise company, there are 11 influencers that are affiliated with any deal. There are 11 people influencing the deal, whether a decision maker or not. That's not relevant. There's gonna be a couple of them, but there are 11 people that influence it. Just because it's the CEO doesn't mean that that person's gonna be the best person to talk to. We can tell you the probability of success by looking at all those people and saying, you need to start with the customer success director. Even though you're selling a financial software. It does affect them in a way, it does, but they will champion you. No, well, you will champion them. They will become your champion. You have the highest probability of resonating with them and they are very, you know, they're very well respected in the company and they know the CFO really well and they talk to each other all the time. So we are able to measure the psychographic profile, meaning how well will you hit it off with them? So think about it as like the match.com for B2B sales. We built it. The, the thing that everybody wished there was in this world, like literally everybody says, oh, I wish that existed. Guess what it does now? Um, we built it. And so we're able to look at that and say, okay, you have an 86.7% probability of having a positive encounter that will result in a positive outcome with um, Jeremy Slater at uh, company XYZ, who's the um, customer success director. Meanwhile, the CFO who you want to target because they hold the budget and they're one of the decision makers. Well, you have a 2.37% probability of having a positive encounter, which means that if you're a contact 50 people just like him, only one would result in a positive outcome. Meanwhile, Jeremy, that's not bad. That's like, if you contacted eight and a half people out of 10, you're getting eight and a half out of 10. Eight and a half out of 10, it would result in a positive outcome if you met someone just like him. With that specific criteria. So, why would you contact the rest of them? That's when sales becomes a numbers game. That's why we need all this automation. Nobody wants to talk to robots. The reason we use them is because it's un manageable. We make it manageable. If you cut out 95% of the fat from a list of 10,000 prospects, what does that leave with you? What does that leave you? 500 people to get in touch with. That is more than reasonable for a business quarter for an SDR to handle. And, then, and they can focus on the relationship.
1: And they're going to convert.
2: Yeah. Wow.
1: Those five hundred people are going to buy what you have, based on or, the or at least likely to. Right, right. Rather than sifting through nine thousand five hundred, they're highly likely not going to buy from you. So, like you said, why would you
2: waste your time? The most expensive cost mm-hmm. to any company is cost of new customer acquisition, or the cost of acquiring customers (CAC). The most expensive piece and the cost of acquiring customers is the labor like i said a salesperson spends an hour in front of a real opportunity only an opportunity but a real opportunity a day what happens if you could turn that into five well you're five times as effective which means the amount of waste that's five times less waste instantly you'd be stupid not to that's the thing. I mean, when it comes to prospecting with some companies we worked with, we have eliminated 95% of the time spent prospecting.
1: So that people can actually talk to the right people and convert. So from a productivity standpoint, like it's, it's just, why would you not use this?
2: Yeah. Do you want to get shit done?
1: Exactly. GSD people quit yeah. wasting your time.
2: It's what it's there for technology. Is built to assist mankind in getting a job done. That is uh, a result of laborious, nonsensical tasks that just need to get done. Automate it so you can focus on what actually matters: the sale
1: and building the
0: relationship.
2: <laughs> yeah, and the relationship doesn't end once the sale happens. Nope the rela- the, the sale ends when business has concluded to its finality. Fun- fun- when it's Mm -hmm. done done forever upselling is far more profitable and maintaining customers is far more profitable it is five to 20 times more expensive to acquire a new customer than it is to maintain a relationship and upsell a current customer
1: but not everybody thinks that
2: yeah but we also reduce 90 percent of that cost so it's pretty much even at that point
1: yep it's like bless their hearts if they, if they just want to keep spinning their wheels. I mean, again, to me, it's like build the relationship with the people that you already have. And we call them life cycle clients because it's like, no matter where they are in the life cycle, they're going to need what we have. And they already know the process and they know that they can trust us with their money and we're not going to take advantage of them. So as soon as I learned that business model of like quit trying to go out there and get so many new clients and service the ones that we already have and we already have their trust, it was a complete game changer to just look at things through a different lens.
2: Yeah, but then imagine that feeling when you meet someone you really hit it off with them. Our technology is able to provide that. That's what it's Mm -hmm. providing. And so if you're maintaining your customers, you now have more time to do that. And then you have far less time spent trying to find new ones. So the amount of labor or the amount of people that you hire for out for, you know outside sales instead of inside. Inside sales is like upselling and like all that stuff. People you work with outside sales is, if people don't know, outbound. So the people who are doing outbound are far more efficient and effective. They could focus on that and then build relationships that are gonna be long lasting that will go to become an inside sale that are very well maintained. They had a great entryway in. And another part is MQLs marketing is so broken usually they're just in their own little imaginary marketing world uh, marketing to people who are interested in whatever the hell type of community that they built where you know they they, they marketing people call it intent and I don't mean to, to bag on them or anything but intent has been mislabeled. it's it, it's if you say that someone has the intent and they're qualified because they downloaded a white paper, you know what their intent was to Get download for free. the white paper. That was the intent. <laughs> yes. Guess what? The intent's gone. They downloaded it. It's gone forever. There's no intent. It is correlated that they might be interested maybe, but that's not measurable. In my mind, the closest thing to intent that marketing could possibly deliver if someone clicks a cold marketing email because who on God's green earth clicks a marketing email? I mean, seriously, <laughs> seriously. The people who are clicking the marketing email, they need whatever it is because who the hell clicks that? They'll just market as spam or delete it. And then if people measure, oh, I had a 67% open rate. Guess what, buddy? Most people open cold marketing emails to opt out. That's why they're opened. To opt out. If they just read it, that means they probably just clicked it to make the notification go away and said, forget about it. Or they just deleted it. Opens are a loss. Clicks are a win replies can be a win but most of it's nasty stuff saying take me off your list
1: (laughs) but what what really is the win is converting them but if it's a brand new company or a brand new lead there is a little bit of nurturing that that should be in there to convert people but with the ai you've already gotten through all that bullshit and you can go in and say, okay, we have what you need. And then to me, it just, it strengthens the relationship and the sale happens much faster than having to go through a nurture Time
2: kills all deals, right? Yep. Time kills all deals. And it's it's quickening that process, you know, who to focus on. So instead of a bunch of outreach to everybody, you won't forget, you'll be on top of somebody, you know? Uh, Not like an invasive way, but just on top of them, just to make sure that everything's happening the way it should be. They need yep. a- attention. They need their hands held most of the time and they yep. need attention paid to them because the buyer's journey is a very personal thing. But what for, like, for example, we can correct market process where if they're being stubborn, they don't want to use the ICP to target because that's for sales or whatever, and the CMO doesn't want to listen. Well, we could take all of his precious MQLs, all of his precious little MQLs that he cherishes so closely to his heart that he perfected the messaging for and all that good stuff. Uh, We take all 57,000 of them, run them through the system, and then, oh, what happened? 99.7% just got disqualified. It looks like you're marketing to the entirely, the the, the entire wrong demographic. Yeah. None. It's garbage. That means that $2 million that's getting spent annually on marketing is literally getting lit on fire. It's like throwing it in the garbage. Yep. That is proof in the pudding. That is literally the mathematical truth that your marketing is wrong. Yep.
1: So, Rob, how do people get in touch with you?
2: <laughs> oh, for sure. To fix well, it all. Call my a- No, no, I'm joking. I don't, I'm <laughs> not that out. Um, So, you can go to our website at www.whiterabbitintel.com. That's white rabbit with two B's. And uh, feel free to either use the chat in there. It's not like really a live chat. It's just so you can like tell us that you're there. If you don't feel like filling out a contact form, you know, it's the shorthand version of just doing it. Um, and uh, you can you can uh, visit us on LinkedIn. So just look up White Rabbit Intel on LinkedIn. It's a little in- white rabbit in a black box. Easy to see. And then you can find me on LinkedIn. So it's forward slash Robert-Turley. Um, or you can find us on Facebook or pretty much anywhere else. And, and uh i've got a podcast too you can get yes, there that's what i was about to say uh, it's called well the hashtag is hashtag dtrh podcast that's d is in david t is in tom r h is in ellen podcast um and uh, it's called down the rabbit hole that's what it's called you can find it on podbean that's the host site but then it goes through rss2 feeds to literally every streaming service including like iHeartRadio. radio so
1: and we'll put everything that you just said in the show notes to make it super easy for people to find you. I have one more question as we wrap up. What's your number one productivity hack?
2: Talking to myself out loud. Okay. Tell yourself what you need to do and write it down at the same time, make a list, Okay. write it down. So you, you think about it, you write it down, read that list to yourself out loud. Because when you see it, when you hear it, when you write it and Whenever you add more senses to whatever you're doing, you're more likely to remember it. And then also um, repetition, get better at something. Don't just do it once, do it a bunch of times and do it right. You know, it's it's doing something properly rather than coming back to it. There's this thing called technical debt. That's called having to rework things. It's as real Mm -hmm. as any other debt. It's just debt in the form of labor. Companies go bankrupt from technical debt. Don't let that happen. Get it done and get it done right. Uh, even though it takes longer, but taking longer to do something and focusing on one thing. Humans, we're not built to multitask. This is a fun fact. People will love this. So every time you multitask, you get 50% less effective. So if you're doing one thing, you're a hundred percent effective. If you're doing two things at once, you're 50% and 50%. That's not too bad. It splits. But then when you do three things, cut that all that by 50%. So instead of having a hundred percent effectiveness, you're now at 25%, 25%, 25%. You're now overall 75% of total effectiveness. So you just lose it. And then half of that, what does that turn into? You're now 50% overall effectiveness. You're screwing yourself over the more things that you're trying to focus on. So focus on one thing at a time because humans, I don't care how good you think you are at multitasking. We were, are quite literally genetically engineered to not do that.
1: This is why I'm so big on time blocking. I'm like, whatever my calendar says and whatever I am supposed to be doing at that moment, that's what I'm focused on. Otherwise, it's just like swirl, swirl, swirl. You'll like, never I get anything
2: done. And entrepreneurs have a serious problem with that. They try to focus on too many things at once and nothing ever gets yep. done. You yep. try to do it all, you get nothing.
1: Nope. We're a bunch of half-assed done stuff. So don't do that. Rob, thank you so much for your time today. This was amazing and super helpful. And everyone that is listening, thank you so much for tuning in. Go check out White Rabbit Intel. Again, we'll put everything in the show notes. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Business Unveiled.
0: That's it for this week's episode of Business Unveiled. Now that you have all the tools that you need to conquer the world and GSD, get shit done, Would you share this with your friends and fellow business leaders? One thing that would really, really help us and help new listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a comment in Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in and listen to Business Unveiled. You can check out the show notes at angelaprofit.com slash podcast and link up with us on social media so you can share your biggest insights and I want to know your aha moments. Until next week, remember the profitable shifts and structures you're creating in your business help you be more present in your life. So get out there and GSD.